The Church of Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut welcomes you to this edition of Shi'ar Jeshub, featuring the ministry of Pastor Greg Scalzo. Today, we will be continuing a sermon in the Heavenly Authority series from 2 Chronicles chapter 6 on Solomon's dedication of the temple. And when we left off, we were in verse 27, and Pastor was reading from Solomon's prayer. Here now is Pastor Greg. That you may teach them the good way in which they should walk, and send rain on your land, which you have given to your people as an inheritance. And what a promise, what a covenant, right? It's still their inheritance to this very day because God fulfills his promises. God keeps his word to his people. Verse 28, when there is famine in the land, pestilence or blight or mildew, locusts or grasshoppers, when their enemies besiege them in the land of their cities, whatever plague or whatever sickness there is, whatever prayer, whatever supplication is made by anyone or by all your people, Israel, when each one knows his own burden and his own grief. What an important line of Scripture. When we know, each one of us knows our own burden, what we brought upon ourselves, our own griefs, and spreads out his hands to this temple, then hear from heaven your dwelling place and forgive and give to everyone, give to everyone according to all his ways whose heart you know, for you alone, for you alone know the hearts of the sons of men. As they look to this temple and they pray. Now, you know, people over the history of Israel probably went to that temple. Many would go there and pray, hoping there's a God, saying, well, let me try this, just like the pagans try their rituals but thinking there was nothing that needed to be done to themselves. Others went there as a show, to show how good they were. Like the Pharisee in the temple, not understanding their burden or their grief, but desiring to look good before men. And then there were those that went there knowing the sorrow and the pain of this world because of the sinfulness of all mankind and the part we all play in that. And they go there humble, contrite, to the Creator God, and they go down on their knees, and they spread out their hands, and they say, Oh God, forgive me. Forgive me for my part. Forgive me for what I have done. And God, Almighty God, the one true God, He alone knows the hearts of the sons of men. To the outside observer, they may all look the same. They may all look religious. But God knows whose heart is really his, who is truly repentant, who truly desires to face the temple of his name, humbled and broken, seeking his hand of blessing, because without it, we have nothing. So he's not praying that everyone receives everything, but everyone who comes with the right heart according to all his ways, whose heart you know, 
for you alone know the hearts of the sons of men, that they may fear you, verse 31, to walk in your ways as long as they live in the land which you gave to our fathers, that they may fear you, that they may know, that they would see the power of God, that they would fear when they saw the wicked exposed and the righteous heard, that the name of God would be lifted up. Verse 36, we'll skip down. When they sin against you, and what does he say parenthetically? For there is no one who does not sin. Right? If we say there is no sin, we are a liar and the truth is not in us. But that's not a justification to sin, right? That's acknowledging our human nature and understanding we have to come a lot before the temple. When they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin, and you become angry with them and deliver them to the enemy, and they take them captive to a land far or near, and you become angry with them and deliver them to the enemy. Now, the enemy is not right. The enemy is not righteous. The enemy is not holy. The enemy is not good. But God protects. He keeps his hand of blessing upon them. And when he withdraws his hand, because he's angry, because they've sinned and gone away from him, because they become like the nations around them, then he pulls back his hand of blessing, and the enemies around them have some victory against them. And you deliver them to the enemy, and, and they take them captive to a land far or near. Now, what is he talking about? In the future, what happened? And God would be patient, God would be forbearing, but there came a breaking point. And first you have northern Israel being taken captive into Assyria. Then you have southern Judah and Jerusalem being taken captive into Babylon. And the temple, this great temple being destroyed. And then you have them coming back in. They repent and as God said, he has a covenant, eternal contract with them, with his people Israel. And they would come back into the land. And under Zerubbabel, they would rebuild the temple, but it wouldn't be anywhere near as spectacular or great as Solomon's temple. And they would suffer under the Greeks. And then Herod the Great, an Edomian, not even a Jew, would take and restore the temple close to the previous splendor at the time of Solomon. And then what? The Romans in 70 AD would destroy it. And again, they would be dispersed in 70 AD and then in the 120s by the Roman Empire, this time to the farthest most parts of the world. But God is faithful. They've come back in, right? The Jewish people are back in Israel. Again, we can speak about a nation of Israel. A hundred years ago, critics of the Bible would say, you know, God promised that the Jewish people would be back in Israel. Where is there an Israel today? Well, we have one and they have Jerusalem, and someday that temple will again be rebuilt. Because God keeps his word. And they take them captive to a land far or near, yet when they come to themselves, come to their senses. Remember what Jesus said about the prodigal? He came to himself, he finally, it all clicked, he woke up. When they come to themselves in the land where they were carried captive and repent and make supplication to you in the land of their captivity, saying, 
we have sinned, we have done wrong, and have committed wickedness. And when they return to you with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their captivity, where they have been carried captive, and pray toward their land, which you gave to their fathers, the city which you have chosen, the city of David, and toward the temple which I have built for your name, then hear from heaven your dwelling place, their prayer and their supplications, and maintain their cause, and forgive your people who have sinned against you. Forgive them, and help them, and bring them back. Now, my God, I pray, let your eyes be open, and let your ears be attentive to the prayer made in this place. Well, doesn't God hear everything? Doesn't God see everything? Of course he does. But he doesn't like a lot of what he hears, and he doesn't like a lot of what he sees. And so he closes himself that he doesn't hear the prayer. He doesn't see the supplication unless it's done with the right heart, the right soul, the right intent. When he says see and hear, he doesn't mean to actually know. He knows what's going on. Not one sparrow falls from the tree apart from your father's will. But to see and hear as in to take an active part for, to intervene for his people, to come and fight and give victory for his people. Now, therefore, arise, O Lord God, to your resting place, you and the ark of your strength, let your priests, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation, and let your saints rejoice in what? Goodness. O Lord God, do not turn away the face of your anointed. Now Solomon is anointed. He's anointed as king as his father David was anointed. But what is this really a prophecy? You can feel the spirit upon Solomon. Will God dwell with men on earth? O Lord, do not turn away the face of your anointed. Remember the mercies of your servant David. Because of your anointed, because of your servant David, really, that temple is always a center. Jerusalem is always a center of world affairs. Israel as a nation, as a people, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are always at the center of the blessing because from them, to them was promised, and from them comes who? The son of David, the anointed, the Messiah, Jesus the Christ. And for his sake, they will always be a people, and they will be there when Jesus Christ comes back, and they will say, Baruch Habab, Hashem Adonai, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. When Solomon had finished praying, chapter 7, verse 1, Fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Just like when Moses had dedicated the tabernacle. How did the glory of God come down? Verse 2, And the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down, and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Praise the Lord. 
Skip down with me to verse 12. What happens that night? Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer. You prayed well, Solomon, I heard it. And have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. And in that spot, the ultimate sacrifice would be made. Right? Ordained from the time of Isaac on the Mount of Moriah to this point with all the offerings outside the holy place. So you go forward in time into Herod's temple and there Messiah would be accused and chosen and handed over to the Gentiles to die. I have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, if my people, verse 14, if my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. It's very hard for human beings to humble themselves. It is so hard for us to admit when we're wrong. We will continue this sermon in our next program. You can find maps and info about our services on our website at www.shiarjashub.org as well as a library archive of programs that are sure to help you in your daily Bible study. You'll also find important articles written by Pastor Greg Scalzo. Please join us next time for Shi'ar Jashub.